army, and of course they have two young children she'll be raising by herself. Well, she'll have us for the next five or six, seven months, and she's going to need you guys, and I pray you'll be there. And we love you, Sarah. God bless you, honey. That's cool. And then, you know, this is what you call a non-effective introduction. Okay? But I just love, you know, when we sing, when we sing it as well as my soul, there's a line that's in there that, you know, I, I think we often forget. I know we do. I just look at you and say, I know we do. We forget how awesome it is that God really has forgiven our sins. That He loves us. We just miss it. I mean, we get all worked up over other things, but we don't get worked up over the one thing. And, and Horatio's five, I'll forget it. The guy who wrote the song um, is incredible. You, you, know, you remember the story, you know, family was going over on a boat, he stayed behind, shipwrecked, three daughters killed, two daughters killed, um, wife is saved, he came, she cables, saved alone, and he goes out there to get her to England and has the steward come and get him where the boat wreck happened. He goes to the battleship and writes this this psalm, or this song. But, but the third verse, I, I can just see them as, he, as they write it, as the poem is read, read, you know, read the first time. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. And, and some of the people are probably like, what, 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 what? He's excited about his sin? That's the problem. There's too many Christians excited about their sin. They, they love their sin. And, and then he goes, my sin not in part, but the whole. And those same people go, oh, wait now, wait. Maybe he's got some, maybe something else is coming. Maybe he's not excited about his sin. Maybe he's excited about something else. Is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. We should get excited about that. We really, no, no, no. We really should. We should be as excited if the Cubs won the World Series. Ken would go to heaven instantly because he had a heart attack. He would just go. And, and if, the, if that didn't get him, the celebration would. So we really ought to celebrate, like, like Mr. Spafford here, we, we need to celebrate when the fact that God, every time we get it on Sunday morning, it should just be a big old party. I know you don't get that sometimes, but we should really have something to celebrate every single week. Um, the fact that our sins are nailed to the cross, and we bear them no more. And there's nothing that Satan can do about that. Nothing. That's thinking about that. Amen? Pretty cool news. I'm telling you. That's maybe why they call it the gospel, David. I don't know. Could be. All right, very good. Then, introduction number three. <laughs> I told you what a very effective introduction. This part ties in, though. Is now, I, again, I didn't. This just popped in my head, kind of introduction, too. I'm sitting there, you know, I said, you know, Abraham Lincoln. Remember him? He was going to be one of my wise people this morning. And by, by the way, my wife said the introduction didn't work. Sorry, I tried. She, she, I don't think she likes Yoda. I don't know, but anyway. But, you know, Abraham Lincoln was asked to speak at, at the dedication of the cemetery at Gettysburg. You're familiar with that. And if I remember my history right, A, he was not the primary speaker. He was an afterthought. They said, oh, we probably ought to invite the president. B, I don't remember how many words, but it's just a, a little over 100 words that he speaks. The, the, the thing lasts a couple of minutes is all. And yet, every one of us, and, and most of us, I forgot it, but most of us were required to learn in high school the Gettysburg Address, four score and seven years ago. And that has become burned in our hearts. Even though it, it was a small part of a really big dedication, and, and even though it really was not a big deal, then it's become a big deal now. That's how I feel about the sermon this morning. I really do. I really feel like, you know, so often we are so, we do business with this earthly wisdom and, and consequently, there's all these consequences 
that we have to deal with. And so I kind of wanted to review tonight and then still jump in and, and cover something from Proverbs also. But I really want to just kind of go over it. You know, James said this morning, and by the way, the reason why is you remember 7% of what you hear, okay? If you hear it twice, it's at least 14%, okay? So, you know, do you remember James said, who is wise and understanding among you? And we talked about wise, talking about a moral compass. There's someone who does life with a moral thought, a moral conscience about it. And then, but not, not only a moral conscious, but practical common sense. Remember that? Spiritual common sense. So, so who, who is wise among you that has that moral compass that, now listen, listen, that makes good moral decisions? There is an absence of that in our society. Y'all wanted to have church tonight. There's an absence of that in our society. Amen. And the person that has a practical application of his faith. You know, it's, it's just wonderful if you know the Bible. It's wonderful you can quote verses. It's wonderful if you know to say all 66 books in the Bible. All those things are wonderful. But if you are not applying what you know, if there's no practical application of that knowledge, then you're just a smart Christian who's fumbling. We've got to learn to apply, have that practical application to the Word of God. And the word understanding was perception. It was the ability to look beneath the surface and see really what's going on, whether it be God or life in general. And he says, is there anyone like that among you? He says, show it. Show it with your good life. Show it out with your good life. And again, one more time, the illustration. You want to know if you're doing it or not? Look in the rearview mirror. If you look back in the rearview mirror and there's more carnage than there is success, it's probably a good indicator that you're wrestling with, with that kind of wisdom or not, okay? You're not particularly, particularly wise or understanding. Look behind you in the mirror and see what kind of carnage has been going on or what success is going on, and that will tell you. And hopefully, the idea is to get as old as Ken, okay? Get, get that old. And Ken, you, are, you don't mind me saying that, do you? You know, I'm, I'm sure you don't. I mean, you know, I, I joke about age all the time, but you know what? You know what's an honor to be an elderly person? Come on, Amen. The Bible says that. The Bible says that the, the gray hair is a crown of glory. It's an awesome thing. So, so when, you, when we come to Ken's age, here's the goal of life. To look in the rearview mirror and see a whole bunch more successes than we do carnage. To see more successes than we do regrets. That's a wise life. That's a life that is really, really well lived. So James says that's kind of the goal. But then he goes on and says this. You know, but, but if your life, in your heart, you're harboring this, this bitter envy, envy, this my way or the highway, this, this zeal, this, this I, want, I want it done regardless. And again, that applies to marriage and, and careers and, and school and all these different things. And, the, and the, that, that selfish ambition of even it's unethical, I'll get it done. If that's in there, that is not a good thing. He said, in fact, that wisdom, that arrogance... It's earthly. It has its orientation, its orientation, its origination here on earth. It's unspiritual. It's unspiritual. And then it's demonic. It's demonic. And then, like I said, that just leads to discord and confusion and strife. And then he goes on long, and I'll give it to you a short list. Uh, heavenly wisdom is pure and peace-loving and gentle and compassionate and merciful, uh, good fruits without favoritism and without hypocrisy. So, so my question is, where are you? You know, I know we're a small group tonight, but where are we with this? Are we willing to grasp that great truth and ask God for that kind of wisdom? It's not, listen, it's not just smarts. 
It's doing life God's way. It's being a parent and parenting that way. It's being a student and doing studentism that way. There's any word for you. Okay? Um, it's, it's, you know, in marriage, a husband and wife doing marriage together that way. It is just huge. It's just important. And it's wise. And it's wise. Now, with that introduction and that thought, you know, I want, I want us to go to, um, to Proverbs chapter 3 tonight. And we'll, we'll slide some. There's not a long commentary with these verses. But you remember a guy who wrote, wrote Proverbs? A guy named Solomon. Okay? And, and, and he, was a, he was the son of Bathsheba and David. All right? And, and so he becomes king after David is gone. He becomes the king. And, and God says to Solomon one night, he says, Hey, I'll give you whatever you want. Okay? And, and Solomon said, I tell you what, how about if you give me wisdom to rightly rule your people? And God said, hey, that's pretty cool. I mean, in fact, he said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you that. And since you didn't ask for, for wealth and all that, I'm going to throw that in the pot. Isn't that an incredible story? It really is. So that's why, that's why Solomon is called the wisest man in the world. Don't think necessary wisdom being just smart, but how to do life God's way. And so in Proverbs chapter 3, that's what he talks about. He's, he's speaking to us. He's speaking to people. And he talked to his children about how to be wise. Now, one thing I heard Danny Aiken say also the other day, and I knew this, and, and I've always, I've already, I'd already said it, Danny. I'd already said it. But he said it's very important in Proverbs. Now, write this down in your brain, if nothing else. It's very important to remember in Proverbs that Proverbs, more than a book of promises, is a book of principles. It's not an absolute. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't sell itself as an absolute. It's principles. And, of course, the most famous one is Proverbs chapter 22. Train up a child in the way he was when he we should go. And when he's old, he will not part from it. We go, oh, yeah. And a lot of preachers preach as a promise, and that's not a promise. And a lot of, a lot of parents, have, as he said that night, has built a lot of grief and a lot of guilt because I, I must have done something wrong because I trained my child up and he didn't go that way. He didn't come back home. You know, and I must have failed, I must have failed. That's a principle. Because every, every person has free will. And, and it is a principle, though, you increase the odds that if you train your children up, they, when they're old, they'll come back to God. It's a principle, though. Well, a lot of what we look at tonight are good biblical principles by being very cautious about claiming them as promises. All right? So in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, he says this. My, he says it negatively and positively. He says, my son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. So he says it two different ways. Don't forget and let your heart keep what I'm about to say. And here's what's going to happen if you do. Here's the principle. They will bring you many days a full life, a complete life. Now, now let me pause there. A life that is lived in godly wisdom is a full life. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with that? Now, now listen. People are looking for happiness. Some of you are looking for happiness. You know? So, some of you are saying, if I only had this, if I had that, if this happened, if, if she would, if I would, if I could. And, and he's saying, that, listen, keep the principles of God's Word. Keep the principles of God's Word. And if you do that, they'll bring you a full life and well-being or peace. Look at verse 3. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. And that word loyalty there, not like I'm loyal to Sarah because she's my daughter. Okay, but loyalty in the sense that I will keep my covenant. I will keep my end of the bargain. Now, when you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, 
you got forgiveness of sins. Are y'all going to like respond tonight? I just need to know so I don't know if Paul's or not. When you, when, you, when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you receive forgiveness of sins. Isn't that cool? But here's the deal. And again, I just want you to know, not that He'll love you more, David, right? Not that He'll love you more, but with that comes Him becoming your Lord. He becomes the new boss, the new master in your life. Okay? You've made a covenant with God. God, in the sense that, thank you for letting me be your child, and as your child, I want to love you and I want to obey you. Why do we wrestle with that as believers in Jesus Christ? Not, not so God will clap and go, oh, I love you so much because you obey me. No, but simply out of love and devotion to Him. We are so overwhelmed with affection for Him because He has forgiven us. What more could He do? Come on, amen, what more could He do? We're to be overwhelmed with love for God because of Calvary's cross. We're to be overwhelmed with love because we're not going to experience the wrath of God. We're to be overwhelmed with love just because of what He did and what He gave us, and that is the forgiveness of our sins. You and I spend way too much time expecting and waiting on God to deliver, to deliver, to deliver. He is not your delivery boy. He is sovereign God. And He's already done the most gracious thing for us when He gave us Jesus Christ, His Son, on Calvary's cross. So He says, don't let, never let loyalty, never let dependability um, leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Burn them into your being. And you need to. Because you're going to get out there and your life is going to fall apart, Sarah. Your husband's going to roll off to the army. You're going to have two small kids. You're in crisis mode. And you need to know that God, just like you saying, is still there. You cry out, it seems like He's not there, but He's there. You know, it's really cool. I'll never forget, I've used it so times. Todd Horton sent me down to the mine. I've told you all this story a dozen times, but some of y'all hadn't heard it. He said, you want to go to the mine? I said, sure, you know, <laughs> duh. You know, I'm glad God didn't call me to be a coal miner. It'd definitely be surface mining. But I got down there, and you know, and I really, like I told you, I respected these street lights all everywhere, you know, those little lanterns were just a thing of the past. No, that's how they do their work. And so we got ready to go up topside again, surface side. Have you been underground yet? I'll see if I can arrange that for you. <laughs> and, and, and we get there and Todd goes, now listen, before we go up top again, I want you, I want to turn out the lights and just so that you feel the darkness. I said, okay, that's cool. I had no idea. He turned, we both turned our lights out. There were no other vehicles around us. And it was a darkness neither that you could feel. It, it was just thick. With darkness. And, and, and Todd was literally 12 inches from me in the man car. I had no idea he was there. Sometimes it seems like God's not there, Sarah. But He is. He is. I don't care how dark it gets. He's in love with you. He's fanatical about you. He has promised He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's there, even in your darkness, 12 inches away. You can't feel Him. It doesn't change the fact that He is still there. Isn't that cool? Isn't that wonderful? So, so with, that's what He's saying. He said, tie that loyalty and that tenability around your neck. Keep it there. Because God is always there for you. He said, then you're going to find favor. And that's really cool because that's the noun form in, in Hebrew of the word grace. Then you will find grace and high regard in the sight of God and in the sight of man. How cool is that? And you know, by the way, once again, in, in, in Luke chapter 2, that's exactly what Jesus found. 
And the Bible says that he grew in favor with God and with man. So when we have a life that is well lived and in the wisdom of God, we're going to have a life that God favors, but also people favor. How cool is that? All right, verse number 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now, y'all know what all means? Does it mean, does it mean all? Does it mean like 80%? No, no. He says, trust in the Lord with all, 100% of your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. Now, it means, this means not this. In other words, so trust in the Lord with all your heart means do not rely on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord means don't rely on your own understanding. And this is the Holy Christian standard, and I really like what it says here. Think about Him in all your ways. It simply means this. Every decision you're facing, think about Him. Uh, JR. Do you miss JR? Like breathing. Like breathing. Have you ever thought, I wonder what JR would do since he's been gone? Did you hear what she said? Yes. Yes. Wouldn't it be incredibly powerful that if we learn just as Nita says, JR, what would JR do now? You know, because the Bible, by the way, teaches, I need to explain this to them, that you become one flesh. And half of her is in heaven. Half of her is in heaven. And she wonders what the other half would do. Well, our citizenship is in heaven. And half of us is there. And, and the psalmist, the Proverbs, you know, psalmist says, you know, think about what God would do. So, so what you do is, every decision you make, you know, job, purchases, a financial, marriage, parenting, you say, I wonder what God thinks about this. I wonder what God thinks about this. And it will change our lives. Good, good place for an amen. <laughs> it really would. It would change our lives. Think about Him in all your ways, and He will guide you in the right paths. We spend so much time beating our heads against the wall about life. I do. You know, trying to be the leader of our church, trying to be the under-shepherd of our church, I often beat my head against the wall. God, what should we do? You know, the deal with the bus last week. You know, I was trying to be supportive of committees but saying, and do the right thing, but at the same time, I'm trying to be the CEO guy about, do we really need to go into debt that much? I'm wrestling with this. And God just took care of it for us. He said, you need to pause and think about this. It's what you need to do. He will guide you on all the right paths. And if God will do this for the doorstep at His church, not once but twice, I've got a sneaking suspicion He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. He goes on and says this. Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from Him. Don't consider yourself wise. Remember what the formula was this morning? Wisdom requires humility, so wisdom plus humility equals more wisdom. If you find yourself going, I know it all. I know it all. I've got all the answers. You can't be right because you disagree with me, and I'm always right. Don't consider yourself wise. Have humility because wisdom with humility opens the door that you may be able to learn something, and when you have that attitude, you do learn something more, and you become more wise yet. So don't consider yourself wise. Turn away from evil. Fear God. Have reverence for God. And, and, and turn away from this evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. There's a, did you know there's a physical correlation between that? 
Did you know there's a physical correlation between, between spiritual matters and physical matters? Did you know there's a physical correlation between the fact when, when we are obeying God and serving God and we're at peace with God and the peace of God and our health? I am, I am certainly convinced that a believer can be almost physically sick from not trusting God. It's so counter to our nature. So counter to our nature. The, the uh, Proverbs says, this will be a healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. So, so then he takes one step further, trusting God. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions, okay? And with the first produce of your entire harvest. In other words, faith. Trust me. Trust the Lord with all your heart. He says, this is one way you do that. So, so you're honoring God, God with what you got. You know, Jeremy, you do that with the sign every week. Has, he, has anyone ever come into you and said, I don't like what you put on the sign? Not yet. Hang on. It'll come. This man every week puts, and by the way, you ought to go to Barbecue Barn and buy barbecue for this one reason, if nothing else. He has have really good food, but this is free. Every week it's Jesus loves you. God loves you. God bless you. God this. Jesus that. Now, he's running a risk. Because there are some people in town who will say, he shouldn't push his religion on anybody. I'll go somewhere else and get my barbecue. But you know why he does it? He's honoring the Lord with his possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Isn't that cool? And it's a step of faith. It's saying, God, you're first. Everything else is second. I trust you, God. And then here's that principal part. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's what I promise. There are exceptions. I like what the commentary said. You know, if we make this a promise, that makes God an investment opportunity and not someone to be honored. Oh, well, wow. I'm sure, I'll, I'll put God first because if I give Him 10%, He's going to give me 100% back. No, you give because you love God. You just give because you love God. And you trust Him. That's why you give. All right, so... He says this. He said, don't despise the Lord's instruction. Verse number 11. Don't despise the Lord's instruction, my son. Do not loathe his discipline. He said, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves is just as a father and son he likes. He, he said, now wait a minute. Now, now every time your bat's going to overflow, sometimes there's going to be growth and correction in there. There will be some hard times in there. But, but don't loathe that. Have you ever thought about Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4? I preached not too long ago, I think. It's really cool. Jesus is being baptized. Okay? John puts him under the water. The Spirit comes down like a dove that sends a pine and lights on him. And then this booming voice from heaven comes, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And that's the end of Matthew chapter 3. And Matthew chapter 4 begins with, And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Well, I, I thought you loved him. I do. I, I love him so much, I'm going to allow him to be tested. God loves you enough to allow you to be tested. Don't think He doesn't love you. He does. Amen? He does. Trust Him with that. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Now, now verses 13 through 18, I just want to read them. I want to tell you the rest of the story. Happy is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding. For she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. 
Long life is in her right hand, and in her left, riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, and all her paths peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who hold on to her are happy. Solomon says, let me tell you how important, how valuable wisdom is. Now, not the smart wisdom, godly wisdom. The wisdom that says, I, one, is there any wise among you with a good moral compass and practical application of, of God's Word? And, and also, knowing that finds wisdom, who acquires understanding. Remember that from this morning? Understanding? The right perceptive? To be able to look into something below the surface and see what really God is doing there? Okay? He, he's saying that when we have that kind of wisdom, that's so valuable. Now, you don't hear the sad part? He totally blew it off. I, I looked it up and, and, and over in um, 2 Kings. The Bible says, uh, the guy who said, don't watch out for the adulteress and flee sexual sin and all these things. Loves many foreign women and, and he marries them and he, and he builds altars for their false gods. And the, the takeaway from that is this. In case you are here and you're going, yeah, I've, I've done this Jesus thing for a long time and I've got really down pat. Just remember Solomon. The guy that God gave wisdom to ended horribly because he reached a point where he goes, I know it all. I figured it out. And he got so big for his britches that he ended up adulterous, you know, building altars, Marrying so many foreign women. Everything that violated who he was, Solomon did. What a word of warning for us. A word of warning for us. So I, I pray, just like the Gettysburg Address was a really important address that we didn't know at the time, but we do now. I pray today's sermon would be that kind of sermon. Are you willing to ask God this? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Are you willing to wake up tomorrow morning in your quiet time and say, Okay, Father... I need wisdom on the job today. I need wisdom as I parent my children. I need wisdom as I conduct life with my husband or my wife. Are you willing to turn to God and say, God, I need wisdom. I don't know it all, but you do. And I'm asking you to help. That would be an incredible takeaway from this day in God's house if we do that. Let's pray together. Well, thank you, Father, for a very good day. And I really do pray, pray it'll be a takeaway for us, Father, that tomorrow morning that we will begin to view things differently. As simple as our scheduling, as simple as our finances, and as great as what college to attend, who to marry, and what should we do even after we retire. Father, we desperately need you, and you certainly are all wise. And we are not. So I pray, Father, that we will seek you. May we be wise followers of Christ. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.